everybody. You're listening to Chatting with Candace. I'm your host, Candace Horback. Before we get started on this week's episode, if you have the time, please rate and review the episode. Share it with a buddy. It would help us out tremendously. That's it. That's my only plug. So this week we have Degani Noor. I'm so excited to have her on as a guest. I actually connected with her over the phone for my own personal reading and was blown away. Deganit is a doctor in acupuncture. She's a clairvoyant, a spiritual teacher. She was actually listed as the top 15 intuitives globally by Gwyneth Paltrow's company, Goop. Her company has been featured in the New York Times, Vogue, Elle, Forbes, BuzzFeed, you name it. Deganit's company, Nirvana, also offers an online course to help you kind of sharpen your intuitive skills. She is just such a beautiful soul, and I'm so excited to have her on, pick her brain, and kind of just see what information she has to share with us. We get a little bit mystical, we get very spiritual, and a tiny bit scientific. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I'm a spiritual teacher and I'm clairvoyant and like I always say the path chose me I didn't choose it I actually like resisted it for a really long time and was like dead set on being a dentist and following like I'm an immigrant and I just wanted to like make my mom happy and like follow like that American dream but it wasn't working out for me I was totally miserable and I was like like I was being like my true self on the weekends and exploring and doing all the witchy stuff and giving my friends readings and then like during the week I was like dental assisting and getting straight A's and doing all this stuff that was like making me miserable <laughs> and, <laughs> and so the readings I'd always been giving friends readings but it turned into a business like to me it felt overnight but it was a gradual thing that accumulated because I wasn't charging my friends like I thought I was making shit up. Like I totally was like, I have a wild imagination. I close my eyes and I see shit and I'll tell you what I'm seeing, but I wouldn't take any, I would take it all with a grain of salt. But then they they like come back and they're like, you said this would happen and it did and did it like, and mine's blown. And so then my friends started referring other friends who referred other friends. And before I knew it, people were like paying me. I wasn't, I didn't have like a set fee. I wasn't trying. And I was also waitressing at the time. And so there was a week where I made more in readings because they were both cash based. So I made more in readings than waitressing. And I was like, Oh my God. And if I didn't try and I'm doing this mm-hmm. well, um, fuck dentistry. Like yeah. I would much rather do this for a living. Like I cry every session. I'm like so happy. And I heard your podcast on the flow state. Like that is my flow state. Like it brings out the best in me and it brings out the best in like humanity. And so I went with it. And instead of going to dental school, I went to acupuncture school and like just expanded on my natural gifts and talents and coupled it with like other healing modalities. And so now I teach people how to tap into their intuitive gifts and it's my favorite. I love it. No, you are such like an interesting person. So I found you when you were doing one of those like Q and A's for Goop and we did a reading and I was just like blown away. There was things that you just like knew that there was no way that anyone else would have known. Like you kind of like Googled it and I'm like, wow, this chick is like the real deal. And I just love your social media. Like it's very positive and you're like constantly trying to help like people grow and improve. And like, I'm all about growth and improvement and curiosity. Like those are all things that I think everyone should be focusing on. Um, so I think your message is like really, really powerful. And I was so excited for this conversation. I have like a whole list of topics and like there were, there's no way we're to even like scratch the surface on so many of these things, but I just love like the whole spiritual world. I think I got into it a little bit later, as well. Like it was like just kind of like ignoring certain signs for a while. So I feel like I didn't really have a mentor or like a group to really like share these thoughts. So when I find somebody that's also curious in this world, I'm like, oh, tell me everything because I'm just want to unpack it all. So one thing that you brought up was intuition. So I was reading like a little bit of the science behind it because I find for some people that maybe aren't really into spirituality yet or maybe a little bit intimidated, it's always good to kind of start with the science. So it was from Forbes and the article was essentially saying that women have a little bit of a leg up when it comes to intuition. And this is because of the corpus callosum, which is like, you know, like the wiry 
section that connects the left and right hemisphere. So because that's thicker, there's essentially more neuro connection there. So we can quickly go from logic to gut feeling like really, really fast. Whereas men, it might take a little bit longer and they're more compartmentalized. So I would say like, there's the science. It's very real. It exists. How would you teach someone to start, I guess, like eat, recognize their intuition, like when their little gut is saying like, pay attention to this. And then how do you kind of work that muscle to make it stronger? I love all of these questions. And I love that you did (laughs) do the (laughs) science research. And so science also says that the more we meditate, the thicker the corpus callosum gets. And so you can actually build on it and hone your intuition. And so I use guided imagery. So spirit speaks to us, energy speaks to us more in like symbols and visuals than words. Like words are more of an affect of the mind and like they're Mm -hmm. man-made, but symbols have existed since the beginning of time. And so like there's this hypnotic like theta state where it's, you're out of your analytical mind and you're not like problem solving from there, but you're more surrendered and able to see see all the answers and see all the solutions. Like I have like a protocol that helps guide people into building that visualization muscle. And so at first we're like creating visuals on command, like close your eyes and imagine a green chair, close your eyes, imagine um, a blue desk, you know, and a yellow rubber ducky. And like the faster you can get those visuals in complete detail on command, the easier it gets to receive messages in the form of visuals. So first I work on like, you know, strengthening that visualization muscle. It's the clairvoyant muscle. So clairvoyance, we're all born intuitive. Intuition comes in different ways. Mm -hmm. Clairvoyance is clarity in vision. It's when you can see clearly what's before you. And so you're seeing the world as it is, not as you are. You're not like projecting your past onto the world. And like, you know, somebody might cut you off and in traffic and, you know, projecting your past, you might be like, oh, that's an asshole. Or like, you're so self-involved or whatever. But like, really, you don't know the person and you don't know why they did that and it could have been a mistake and so like when you're clairvoyant you're totally neutral and you're just seeing it as it is and it's like I was just cut off that's all I know you know like I'm in a green car you're in a red car like that's it it's not like good or bad it's not charged um yeah so we start with building the clairvoyant muscle most people more identify as being clairsentient. So they like, they'll feel their intuition and that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's how I was feeling. And so that's when you're picking up intuitive information from like that second chakra, that like gut center, which is powerful, but can kind of be confusing. Like sometimes intuition can be confused as like, is that my intuition or is that anxiety or is that fear? Or is that, you know, what I want to believe. And so if you elevate that like I'll have students like almost like zip their energy all the way up to the pineal gland their sixth chakra uh, behind their eyes so that they can see what intuition is saying to them instead of trying to like decipher the feelings mm-hmm So yeah, it starts with guided imagery. And then also it's nice, especially in the beginning to like, just write everything down. So if you don't know if it was your intuition or something else, just write it down. And in a few days, you'll know because it'll come true. It'll like materialize, you know? No, that's a really, really good point. Cause I was going to ask, how do you know the difference between like maybe yourself, like overanalyzing a situation and then like actual cues that are meant to be meaningful And again, like anyone who's like skeptical about this, like the Secret Service, the CIA, they all actually train their officers and agents on how to like utilize this. So it's a very real thing. And I think that there's a a lot of practical application that you could have for this, like whether you're like, you know, a CEO or and you're making deals or contracts or just being like safe in general, right? Like if you're walking to your car and just like noticing certain things and paying attention to what your body is saying, I think it's so important. It's like your personal navigation system, you know? It really can be your own guiding light for sure. So with like the whole – because they say you have a second brain in like your um, digestive tract. So like you have like a ton of neurotransmitters that are down there. Like it's like – I think it makes more serotonin than your brain if I remember correctly. So do you think that like diet can affect the intuition? 
Totally. So exactly. Absolutely. And what I've noticed is even if your diet is off and you start to do this work, like you start craving different food Mm. and you start like cleaning up your diet and getting to like a more alkaline state. So Mm -hmm. yeah, if you have like a ton of inflammation, if you're eating a ton of sugar or drinking a bunch or just eating a bunch of processed foods, your body, so your body, I believe we're spiritual beings having a human experience Mm -hmm. and not that we're humans having a spiritual experience. And so our body is that vessel for spirit to reside in. And that's all it is. Like it's temporary, right? Where I feel like spirit is eternal. But if this temporary vessel is gucky and not working optimally, then yeah, then signals are going to get crossed. You are going to get confused. It is just as like much as that can produce brain fog, it can definitely interrupt with clarity and vision. Absolutely. And what I've noticed is like, like I said, so everything reinforces everything. So some people might start with getting into like health and fitness and then, you know, like athletes, you know, like they might not think that they want to be spiritual, but then they eventually do get there because they've trained their body to be like such a clear conduit that like the intuition just comes so easily then, Mm -hmm. you know, or if you start into the metaphysical stuff because you have a lot of healing to do and your body's like not doing great, (laughs) the more you get into it, the more you actually like want to eat better and sleep better and like take better care of yourself. Yeah, that makes total sense. The other topic I wanted to talk about was I got a lot of this from your Instagram post the other day, and I was like, oh, I'm so glad she posted this because you're like, oh, what do you guys want to hear about? And I was like, I want to hear about all of those things. So it was the idea of like spiritual contracts. So what I found fascinating because I find like we always kind of like relate things to ourselves and our experiences, and that's how we connect to like topics and curiosity in general. So One of my girlfriends did a reading with you and you were talking about having a contract with a baby. And I was like, that's such a cool way to look at it. Like I've never heard about a spiritual contract or like having a contract with like, you know, a baby and a baby's like in the future for her. So I guess like, can you explain what a spiritual contract is? And then I'm going to have like so many follow-ups to that. Totally. Okay. So spiritual contracts are like, we have a spiritual contract right now. Like this wouldn't exist if we didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's, I was going to go into like free will and destiny, but like, let me keep it simple. (laughs) So basically like we have like lessons to master every lifetime Mm -hmm. and every relationship has its own spiritual contract and each relationship can serve to be a spiritual teacher should you allow it to. And if you don't allow it to, it's like when you're dating the same person over and over and over again, because you're not mastering the lesson, you know? And so if you allow it to, if you do master the lesson, then the contract has the potential to uplift all parties involved. It helps you self-actualize, manifest, materialize. And some of these contracts are a little bit predestined. Like sometimes when um, in between lives, we'll be like, I'm going to see you next lifetime and uh, coordinate that because, you know, you have incomplete karma, you have unfinished business, so you've got to link up next lifetime for the self-actualization. Other times they can be, so I've seen, so with baby beings, sometimes before you're even born, you already know who you're babies are going to be, you know, Mm -hmm. other times because of your life experiences, it might like open up the potential or the portal and invite this baby being in, or like invite this contract. I've seen it happen where you go through something traumatizing at 12. And for whatever reason that like creates a contract with your unborn child of like, Oh, okay. The way I'm really going to heal this trauma up is by raising this kid and with, because teaching is mastery. So by being your parent, I'm going to master the healing and the growth that I couldn't quite master on my own with that thing that happened at 12. So sometimes like they'll be made that way. I've also seen them with babies specifically be made out of like relationships. So, you know, maybe both people never wanted kids, whatever. And then they meet and suddenly, you know, they want kids, but will those kids are a result of these two worlds colliding, like this contract created those contracts. Mm -hmm. And all the spiritual contracts, again, they do have 
this is like destiny versus free will. Like they do have the ability to up level all parties involved. So if your love is amazing, may it only grow with time. And sometimes these baby beings help that love grow and help you become your best self as you're helping this child grow and become its best self. But again, if you don't uphold, if you're, you're not adding free will to that, if you're not taking the opportunity to grow and rise to the occasion, then it's going to feel, that's when life starts to feel like autopilot and groundhog day and like not mm-hmm. that inspiring. <laughs> yeah. No, that's kind of how I see it too. So like I had this really great conversation with this numerologist and when we talked about like fate and free will, he kind of explained it like a bowling alley lane. So like there are countless combinations of how you throw the ball and like being on your path is like the closest is like kind of like hitting a strike, right? But there are all of these other options. And then sometimes you can throw the ball really crazy. It ends up in someone else's lane. But like ideally there's still, there's still a limitation to like the possibilities of like what can happen. And then when you kind of like are in line with everything, that's when everything is like flowing and just feeling right. And you're like, almost like these moments of like serendipity kind of start happening. Yeah. Yeah. So with the spiritual contracts, like it's kind of, it's more of like a question personally. So when we had our son, we had like a really traumatic birth, like really traumatic birth. He essentially was born like with an APGAR of zero. So he had to like immediately get rushed to a crash cart And I still hadn't like delivered the placenta. So I'm still there. And my husband's kind of like just trying to like be very calm and like, you know, just make sure I'm okay before because he there's nothing he can do. Right. So when they finally start rushing him to NICU, I was like, well, go follow the baby, like go follow the baby. So I stayed, had to stay there, deliver the placenta. And he followed the crash cart down to NICU. So the way that he saw like what the moments that happened next or he explained that he almost saw like consciousness coming in and out, in and out, in and out. And it was kind of like he was deciding if he was going to stay or not. And I'm like getting goosebumps even talking about it right now. It was very traumatic, very scary, but very beautiful in the same way. And I obviously didn't get to experience that moment. But when he tells it, it's just like I'm like there and I can see it and I can feel it. And I've always wondered like if that has to do with like said spiritual contract, if it's like how does consciousness play into that? Is it something like where you can kind of like decide to leave like your body and like this isn't for me, maybe I'll do another go or I'm going to stay and commit and there's like a reason to be here? So obviously this baby, um, your son had a contract with both you and your husband and that's why you even got pregnant and everything. The stay or go thing, I feel like we're always on the verge of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like if, if you want to get existential about it, I feel like we kind of do get to decide every single day, whether or not we want to stay or go. When babies are first born, they're way more spirit than human. Like their Mm -hmm. mind, like cognitive functioning hasn't kicked in or anything. And also speaks volumes to like how spiritual your husband is or like how well, how great his clairvoyant muscle is, you know? So what I'm hearing for this case in particular I think your son's really smart and I think that that was super traumatizing but so going back to like destiny to me it feels like he was like I could either do this now or I could do this later like I'm destined to have some sort of like trauma because that's also where we gain personal growth and strength and understand where we begin in the world or where we end the world begins so I think he's just really evolved and really smart and was like I don't want to go through this shit when I actually like have cognition around it like I know I'm not going to remember this but my body will but I'll have the muscle memory and I w- my spirit will and so let me master this lesson now get it out of the way so that like life can be that much more joyous mm-hmm. does that make sense because like like adolescence, I feel like most, you know, as the hormones kick in, most kids are kind of like getting into self-destructive behaviors, sometimes mm-hmm. like before that, sometimes after that. But to me, what I'm hearing is that your son was like, I don't know that I want to mess with all the ups and downs of life. So I'm just going to like knock it out of the park right now and prove to myself that I do have free will here and I do want to be here. And mm-hmm. and I think he also was 
he's asking both his parents to choose him like consciously. Oh, wow. That's so powerful. Yeah. So do you know who Edgar Casey is? Yes. My um, father-in-law is obsessed with him. Like he just like he knows everything about him. He's been to the museum. Like he is just so infatuated with him. So I believe that he his theory is that consciousness enters like during like the birthing process, which to me is like so fascinating. So I feel like that's kind of what we or I guess my husband like saw happening. Right? Is like okay, he entered and now it's like stay or go, stay or go. So to me, like that was just like. It's just so fascinating. It's just the idea of being able to like decide to stay or leave. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's just a super old soul. And I feel like you and your husband are too. I think most parents know that your child is going to teach you just as much as you teach Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. You you both vibrate so high. So to me, it feels like, like he was already like creating like a little committee. Like we're all in this together and this is how it's going down. Yeah. It, just like, goes, it goes to show you that there's like, there's positive to come out of like these traumatic situations. Like there's always like a learning experience to be had. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trauma like forces us to surrender, you know? and rise to the occasion. It kind of, it can, I mean, there's actually like studies on this, uh, natural disasters and stuff like that, like tend to bring out the best in people. We tend to feel more connected. We tend to like help our neighbors out a little bit more, become more altruistic. Like it brings out altruism. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it definitely affects us on a microcosmic way. So I wanted to talk about past lives and obviously this is going to like turn some people off and then some people are going to be like super into it. But to everyone who's like not into it, there's like an entire country that everyone believes that, you know what I mean? So it's interesting either way. Some people have the idea with past lives, like the reason that we don't remember it is because that lesson was for that life. And then we have like kind of a new lesson and this is what's supposed to be focused on. So do you think that it's something a lot of people should spend energy into trying to like uncover and like rediscover, if you will, or should we be kind of like focused on the present? The past lives that tend to be the most impactful and influential are the ones where something wasn't resolved. There is still lingering karma from that past life. An example that I have of this, it sounds like so silly, but I have this client. She's like a professional boxer. She's so bad. Like she's like everything. And so she does like, and she has like a horrible backstory or like a really traumatic one. And so she does like a lot of public speaking and inspirational speaking. And she has a hard time swallowing pills like or she came to me and like it seems again like so silly but she's like I can't do I can't do pills because I wanted to get her on herbs and supplements and she was like I can't like I gag I choke like I feel like I'm gonna die I cry like and this is like she's pure muscle it's like so funny <laughs> to hear her saying this and so that has been like a reoccurring theme in her life and it feels like so unrelated to past lives so irrational fears tend to be rooted in the past. Like if you can't make sense of it, uh, like I had another client that was afraid of bridges and couldn't make sense of it. Like she's never, you know, had anything bad go down on a bridge. It doesn't make sense. It's not rational, but afraid of it. And it tied into past life karma. So the boxer, we go into her past life because, you know, we're working on this like pill swallowing thing from every other angle and it's just not resolving. And so I'm like, this must be a past life. We go into the past life and she was like an advocate and totally progressive at a time where she was female and, um, you know, women were silenced. And so she was like, beaten, tortured, abused, like choked, strangled, but like she was majorly silenced in that lifetime. And so this lifetime that lingering karma came through that throat chakra of I can't swallow pills. So we clear up that past life karma and kind of like the lesson of it was it is okay for you to live out loud this lifetime. It's okay for you to be in female form and speaking your truth this lifetime. And it's actually like 
a continuation of that karma from last lifetime. Like you have work to do, you had work to do then and you couldn't. And Mm -hmm. now, so now you're doing it. And we clear up that past life karma so that she could swallow pills. Well, what happened was she got like booked for all these other speaking engagements, like from out of nowhere. And she had like an easier time on stage and was like more delightful on stage. And like her past, her story involves family members and there's all this trauma. And like, she started owning her own story. Like she was protecting you know her abusers and she started like owning it and being like this is my story and like getting more vulnerable on these stages and kind of you know calling out her family members not to attack them by any means but to like Mm -hmm inspire the audience and without any sort of apprehension, like no unapologetically in a way that she hadn't created impact before. And and so that's one version of how past life karma can work. Like if it's coming up in this lifetime, chances are it's incomplete. Mm -hmm. Um, And you might not know that it's past life karma until you, you know, do like Yeah, but if you're not remembering it, chances are, or it's not coming up in repeating patterns, chances are it is complete, and maybe there's not a purpose to visit it. What I will say is, um, have you heard of Akashic Records? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Akashic Records are basically like records of all your memories from every single lifetime, and so they deal with past life karma, and you can download yourself with Akashic Records to remind yourself so that it's more of like a near memory, not a distant memory of something that worked for you. So for me, when I was studying herbs, I just couldn't get it together. Like I would learn an herb and it was just gone the next day. It was like I had amnesia. And so I went into a past life. I had like killed a whole bunch of people, <laughs> like, but oh, I was, wow. <laughs> yeah, in a past life, I was a farmer and I was responsible for like my community and like I was feeding all these people and then there was this horrible drought and I hadn't figured out irrigation and so, you know, my crops went dead and I just never forgave myself because uh, there was like a huge famine where I was and I never forgave myself for that and so now, fast forward, you know, like me in grad school learning herbs and I wouldn't allow myself to ingest that material because I was afraid of hurting people with the herbs. Like, I don't want you guys to become dependent on me as your dealer because I know <laughs> people. Um, and so I cleared the karma, but not only did I clear the karma, I downloaded myself with a Kashic record of before the drought and when I was actually like helping and healing and saving and like feeding and nourishing. And just like that, like I was able to remember herbs herbs and think of them as friends and allies and not like this foreign thing that I'm terrible at, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. For all the skeptics, I actually didn't believe in, like everything that I believe in, I chose to believe in first because it just made life easier. So like I chose to believe in past lives because otherwise I could not make sense of like the pain and suffering that I was witnessing. I was like this there has to be something bigger at play. Otherwise, like, I'm going to kill myself now. <laughs> like, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense otherwise. Like, I couldn't make sense of the world otherwise. And so I chose to believe it, but I was a skeptic, and it was a choice. I wasn't in full conviction. And then I started reading past lives, and still I was skeptical, I'm telling you. But then I had client after client come in and be like, I found myself. This was who my, like, you know, now with Google, like, you told me the year was, you know, 1452 or whatever, and that the location was this, and that I was a professor, and I found myself, this was my name, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's crazy. So my clients have actually helped me believe in past lives because, kind of like what you said at the beginning, like, like, there's no way, why should I know those specific details, Right. you know? And like those specific details, like I'm not a geography <laughs> by any means. And the way these like unique individuals have found their past lives is phenomenal. Um, and so that, yeah, the proof is in the pudding. Like there's so much empirical evidence. Yeah. If you just like remain curious and kind of like explore it a little bit, then like you'll find some stuff that you're like this is like a little eerie and just keep digging and keep digging. Mm -hmm. And there's like no other reason for it, you know, like it can't be explained in any other way. Yeah. And I feel like there's been like a lot of things where like the science has just kind of like been catching up, right? Like we used to say like, 
telepathy was like not real and woo woo. And now like it's very much real. You can go on Google. There's, there's videos. People are playing video games together in other rooms. Right. So it's just because like, there's not like hard data. Like, I don't think that that's like a great argument to say that it's non-existent because sometimes like the science is just catching up. And then I also think that like, you know, maybe we aren't supposed to have like hard evidence of certain things because some of it just, you need to have faith. You know what I mean? Like that's a message that's like throughout every religion is that like faith is such an important factor. So if you have to have like, you know, black and white concrete, like here's like the data, then it takes like the magic away a little bit. Yeah. Life is non-binary. Like I Mm -hmm. think it's like a human desire to like have things be in order and predictable and safe and, but that's just not life, you know? And so getting a little bit more fluid with life and like learning to live in the gray and live with the unknown, that's when those synchronicities come through and when life feels like you said, a lot, a lot more magical. It's so Mm -hmm. much more fun that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Speaking of science. So I'm super into crystals. It happened probably like a couple years ago. I like started dipping my toe in and then I started like meditating with different crystals. Um, And I personally noticed a difference. Like if I use them like for certain purposes, my husband's still not on board. He's like, they look pretty, but I'm not convinced. And I've like tried to find like some kind of evidence, whether it's like kinesiology or just like something to like provide someone who's more science minded. I was curious if you knew anything in that arena regarding like crystals. Sure. I don't know that I can link you to an article, but what science does show is that crystals have electromagnetic fields. Mm -hmm. We have electromagnetic fields, like in spirit, we call it our aura. Mm -hmm. In science, it's called an electromagnetic field. And so our electromagnetic field does adjust to things that are in our vicinity. And so the average person in your electromagnetic field is about four feet in diameter. Mm -hmm. So like crystals are like within a foot of me. And if their energetic properties, like this is selenite, so it's like cleansing. If their energetic properties are like right here, and if all we are is like energy in motion. So do you know a little bit about quantum physics and how (laughs) string theory, everything's just like constantly moving. So I might look solid, but I'm actually not like, you know, it's moving and we're constantly like exchanging with our environment. And so resonance, there's like vibrational resonance with the properties of the crystal. It's picking up on me. I'm picking up on it and we're starting to vibrate the same. And so I'm taking on the healing properties of the crystal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like sciencey enough, but I'm all about empirical data. So just trial and error. And what you could do with your husband, which might be fun, is just have him like lay down and close his eyes and then pick a crystal like the rose quartz and like put it on his heart and like ask him to describe what he's feeling, what colors he's seeing, what he's smelling, stuff like that. And then, you know, get rid of the rose quartz and then bring in the black tourmaline and see how he responds to that. But like the response will be different and his eyes will be closed and he won't know the energetic properties of each crystal. And I bet Mm -hmm. you anything he'll describe them as they are. So fun. Yeah, that sounds like a really good like date night exercise, especially right now we have like limited options, right? Just order some crystals, right? Blindfold your partner. It'll be a great time. Especially him because he is, I mean, if he saw your son's consciousness, like leaving Mm -hmm. and entering, I totally think he'll pick up on what the messages of the crystals are. Yeah, it's so cool just like kind of seeing him like, develop spiritually because he's like a completely different person like than when we first met and he's kind of like the catalyst of like my spiritual journey so it's just like awesome to have a partner that's like on board and just is like curious even though like we still have like differing opinions on like obviously crystals for example but like overall we both like are just like finding this journey together and it's like so awesome I think it's so evolved that you even have different opinions though. Like, <laughs> like going back to like life is non-binary. Like mm-hmm. you can totally still be in love with each other and not agree on shit. You know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> if only more people would understand that right now, we would be in such a better place. Like right? next to impossible to agree on everything. So if like, that's like the parameter of your relationship, it's doomed from the beginning, like any kind of relationship. You just have to like exercise like true tolerance and that's like understanding that there's difference of opinions and we all have different realities and those shape like who we are. So just because my reality is different than yours, like 
doesn't mean we can't get along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like love and value each other and like appreciate that you do have a different reality. Like how boring would it be? If, so dull. You know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Aw. The other topic that I wanted to get into was um, spiritual sex. So like first, like what is that? <laughs> And then I'll have so many more questions. Sure. Okay. So I think we all know about like anatomical sex or like, like, you know, when you're just going through the motions and you're thinking mm-hmm. of like your to-do list yeah. or whatever, or like maybe you're thinking of like, do I look good? Like all the thoughts. Um, so spiritual sex, spiritual anything is experiential. So the way I teach uh, intuition is I always say this is uh experiential knowledge. It's not analytical knowledge. So non-spiritual sex would be like, we're going to hit up these positions. (laughs) It's going to last this long, (laughs) you know, or there, it might be like goal oriented. Like we're both going to climax, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. That's more like analytical sex, anatomical sex. I don't know what I would call that, Mm -hmm. but spiritual sex is more Spiritual is just being powerfully present. Like when you are present, um, you're present to like the miracle of life. Like it's amazing. Like our lungs are just keeping us alive right now. Like we're not thinking about it and they just are. And our blood is flowing through us. Like it's just mind blowing how amazing life is. And so when you are powerfully present and in sex, you have the potential to be like super unified with your partner. And spiritual sex is like two are becoming one physically, literally, but also spiritually, like your chakras can align, your energy centers may align. Usually it happens when people are like breathing in sync. And it's, it's kind of like the podcast on flow state. Like, you know how, like when time and space stops and it's like, how long were we in there for? Like Mm -hmm. what just happened? And like, you're not like, when you think about the sex, you're not thinking about like how good either one of you looked or what sounds were made or what you were talking about. Like, it's more of like a black hole that you just enter together and you like created the portal together. Like you can't, you, you can go there in masturbation. Like you can definitely go there solo, but like there is just, when two come together and these two worlds collide, you're able to create something that was never created before, you know, Mm -hmm. in a way that you can't do solo. And so it's complete alignment. It's being powerfully present. It's being like focused on just connection, 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 alignment, breathing more than like your body getting pleasure, but it's more of like recognizing the parts of you that aren't rooted to body and like letting your body be an extension of that, you know, where it's Mm. like, you hear about people who have prolonged orgasms, like that can happen in spiritual sex because you're not focused on the, like if you're focused on the orgasm, then you're actually in your mind, not in your body and not in your spirit, you know? Mm -hmm. But if you're not focused and you're just like, like, I know people who have climaxed just through kissing, you know, just Mm -hmm. through, it's so beautiful. And so that's, that goes to uh, speak of alignment and how present they were and like how open and receptive. So yeah. Did that answer it? That was like, I said, no, it definitely did. So there's definitely, I can see the difference between like that. And then I guess like the regular sex that people just kind of have, like when you have the time, squeeze it in, like, you know, in in between your to-do list and whatever. So for me, it sounds like meditation would be like a really good practice to like get used to being present and not like constantly thinking about the future, what would be some other exercises that you could do to like, to get there? Cause I feel, especially as women, right. It's like, do, am I performing enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I, is my stomach sucked in? Like, how do you get out of that loop to be able to even like start to think about like entering this, you know, black hole of spiritual sex? So, yeah, because it is really vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where all the magic is. So um, have you heard of eye gazing? Is that like the technique where you just like sit and stare at each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so profound. I don't know if you've ever done it, but like if you yes. – I- it's so profound. Like mm-hmm. I've never done it and not sobbed, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, you could do it with perfect strangers. So all you're doing is you set a timer for four minutes for 10 minutes for as long as you think you can handle. And you just stare like that's all you're doing. You're not staring, you're not touching. And in fact, it's encouraged not to touch and not to talk, but just like hold that eye contact. And usually that ends up being quite a spiritual 
experience and so connecting and you feel mm -hmm. so seen and vulnerable and like almost like I always want to hide. I'm like mm -hmm. <laughs> so intense, but also you see the other person. And so it could be somebody that, you know, um, like I've done this with a bunch of strange, like in workshops with like strangers. And so it's like the person sitting across from me might not look anything like me and my own natural biases and prejudices might, you know, write them off as being like totally different or, you know, just like not visual pleasing to me whatever and then by the end of the four minutes it's like oh my god you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen I love you so much like you're just so blown away with like compassion and unity so eye gazing uh, you could look it up there's different practices eye gazing would be nice to do with a partner doing things that are not sexual honestly like building intimacy building that transparency and that vulnerability will just make sex an extension of that you know like if the focus mm -hmm. is on sex then it's probably not spiritual but like if the focus is on connection unity synchronicity then it turns into spiritual sex so another way to do it is to like focus on breathing in sync. So like we're inhaling together, exhaling together. You can even imagine like my exhale goes into your inhale, your exhale goes into my inhale and like creating like this microcosmic loop between the two of you. Or I teach this one energy technique called running energy. So you can imagine from your palms, you're shooting energy into your partner's like head. And then from their head, they're like, you know, filtering the energy and then shooting it right back to you from their palms. And so from palm, your palm to his head, his palms to his, your head. And so it's making that like infinity sign between mm -hmm. the two of you and see if you can just feel it and see if you can like feel the bu energy buzzing through you. You could also like, again, breathe in sync, but you could also just like kind of like play around with like just really light, gentle touch on the skin. And like, how does this feel? Like, and like really dissecting movements, like dissecting things that we usually rush through, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so like, how does this feel? Do you like the, like this level of pressure, that level of pressure? Do you like it when I pet you faster, slower? Like really dissecting like little things that we wouldn't normally think about just to like increase that. This is where your mind can come in because our minds are overdeveloped. So you might as well use it to like build the connection and build that understanding of your partner and like, okay, so like heavier pressure feels like this to you. It feels like that to me. So when I'm feeling like this, that means you're feeling like that. And like, and now we're on the same page. Page. So it's not like I'm giving, you're receiving, but we're unified in this action that looks like I'm the giver and you're the receiver. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Because I feel like a lot of the hang up and the vulnerability come in with like not having communication and like not wanting to say like this feels good, that feels good, or you know, a little bit to the left or to the right. And then also like hyper-focusing on the climax. I also think like that can cause like a lot of anxiety and like frustration. And it's like, well, it's going to take me 45 minutes and we only have 10. So like, let's try to speed this up. And I think it's just trying to like commit to like that sacred space between the two of you and like saying, okay, it doesn't matter. It's just the two of us. And if it, we don't get there, we don't get there. Like enjoy the process, kind of just like life, right? Like enjoy the ride. It's not about like the end goal. And it's like so much easier said than done because like everyone wants to climax, right? Like that is a great feeling. But I think I tell this to so many people and I try to remind myself of it all the time, right? It's like, that's great. It's a bonus and treat it like a bonus and then like focus on like the actual like sensuality of the process. Mm -hmm. And connecting and like, how are we two right now? Or are we one? Are we two? Are we one? Like mm -hmm. I would just keep checking in and feel like, do I feel like we're one or do I feel like they totally don't get me mm -hmm. <laughs> or I don't get them? Like, why would you kiss me like that? You know, like mm -hmm. actually dissect it, talk about it and like get to a common place of understanding so that the two do become one. So the kissing I think is so interesting because to me, that's like almost like a fingerprint, like if you've, you know, kissed multiple people, like it's like such a unique experience, like depending on the person. And there are some people when you kiss, it's like, like fireworks, like there is like that unity and it's just like a very enjoyable experience. And then there's other people where it's just like, you cannot get past that kiss and maybe you really like the person. So would you like, what, how would you interpret that? 
Like, cause is that like too much in your like analytical head and you can't like just kind of like get into sync with each other or like what's happening? I think if you're not getting into sync with each other, generally speaking, somebody's disconnected. If you're not in sync. And I mean, I see like that happens in all relationships. Mm -hmm. Like if, you know, if I'm going through something at work, I'm going to feel disconnected with myself. So it's going to be impossible for me to connect with my partner and our sex is going to be shit that week. You know, Mm -hmm. um, you know what I'm saying? And so generally like, depending on if it's like a first kiss or like you've been together for years, but if like something's a little bit off, chances are one of the partners is feeling disconnected from source from themselves from Mm -hmm. love from whatever and so if they're feeling disconnected there's no way they can connect with you so you're like tongues might be rubbing up on each other but like they're not actually like connected to that sensation and so they're not getting the feedback like so if you're you know pulling away from them and they're like leaning in they're not paying attention to your body like they're not getting that feedback but they're not paying attention to your body because they're not paying attention to their own body like they're not connected Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so generally speaking it is a reflection of disconnection somewhere if it's your partner I think you can totally like work that out and be like hey where are you like Mm -hmm. you know like like what's going on that was like kind of different or or whatever. But if it is like more of a first kiss, that might be a sign that maybe we we don't connect. Maybe we're not that in alignment, you know? Mm-hmm. So have you ever done those like, I can't remember like the terminology. I want to say it's like some people refer to it as like sex magic or sex meditation where you both have like, there's like, you know, the diagram and there's like symbols and each symbol is supposed to represent something different to you. And like, as you're going through the sexual experience, like you work on one symbol, then the next, then the next till you get back to the top, which is like the end goal of like what you're trying to like manifest. And like, if it's a couple, it could, it could be like a house, for example, or like a bonus or a baby or whatever it is that you're trying to like have show up into your life. I don't know if that's something you've ever like played around with and with anybody. So I played around with that solo. I've, I've not heard of the symbols. I actually want to look that up. I love that. But the deal, well, no, I've also tried that with partners. I'm like, let me give some people some credit. Yeah. So the deal with sex magic is when you are climaxing, you're pure spirit. You're so surrendered. Like every single muscle in your body is flaccid. Like nothing is constricted. You're just like, open mm-hmm. your your most expanded state you're not thinking of anything you're like euphoric you know in french they call orgasms le petit mot like the little death because it is like death like it's like the afterlife you're just like blissed out and so it's just such an open receptive expanded state to be in that if you are manifesting something when in that state like it's basically like heaven on earth heaven's like such a high vibing state to be in so that's when like definitely think of the car and associate (laughs) the car or the baby or the house with like these phenomenal feelings and with this joy and this pleasure and so that it's not like goal setting and things that might get you in your mind and might bring in some self-judgment of, oh, I'll never get the house or, oh my God, I only make this much or whatever might come through with like goal setting. It's just like the surrendered state of like, oh my God, the house, it's so dreamy. I'm like, you know, and Mm -hmm. so like it kind of like works with the law of attraction where you're a rewiring yourself to believe that materializing that thing is like pleasurable and easy and fun. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it that much easier to materialize it. And then B you're heightening your consciousness and your vibration to the state where your desire exists in. So it's that much more likely to come in for that like to attract liked. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I'm like a total believer. We've done it a few times and like without fail, like that thing ends up like showing up, like whatever our goal was. Like, it's not like you had to strategize or worry about how it would come in. Nope. Nope. It just, and I think that's a lot of it too, is like not trying. Like when you were talking about your path and you weren't trying and all of a sudden you made more with your readings than you did with your waitressing. I think like that's when we start to see like those successes show up is when you're not like forcing it. Right. It's just like, you're allowing it to kind of come in and like trying to relinquish some of that control. So I think it's like, 
like you said, like rewiring your mind around it and like putting it into like a good happy space instead of like stressing of like, how am I going to get this thing? I think it goes a lot too with like people that are trying to conceive, right? It's the people that are like looking at the calendar and looking at the clock and it's just taking them years because they aren't practicing like that surrender. They're not receptive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're like forcing, forcing, forcing. And like getting pregnant is all about like receiving. (laughs) It's not (laughs) forcing. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Fertility is a, can be a really charged emotional topic. And it really, people feel like the universe has something against them. They're doomed. They're cursed. Like I'm doing everything. I'm taking like my prenatals and I'm seeing it. Like, but it's like, you're doing everything. Thing, like, but people have been having babies since the beginning of time, since before fertility medicine came along. Mm-hmm. Like, you're doing too much. Right. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe, maybe just enjoy sex. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally yeah. agree. We were told, like, we were going to have to do, like, IVF and all of that. And we kind of got to a place where, we accepted like, okay, we if we don't have a baby, like then it wasn't meant to be and then we can look at adoption, that whole thing. But we're, we never looked at a calendar. We never did the shots or the drugs. We just like accepted either or. And I was still like, you know, making sure I was healthy and like exercising and I was meditating and doing all of these things. And then like, boom, baby. And our doctor was like, how did this happen? And we're like, you it was our mindset. Like I'm convinced like if we weren't in a place of like surrender and engaged in difference. So it's like, it's not indifference in the sense that you're going to like sit on the couch and expect your dream job to fall in your lap or, you know, to get pregnant or whatever. It's like, you're doing enough, but not like overdoing. It's like a balance essentially. Yes. I love that story. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that, like for me, I've seen Yeah. Most people won't go there. Most people won't face that fear of like, well, what if we never conceive? And so Mm -hmm. it's that inability to like face the fear that like keeps them in the loop. But Mm -hmm. the fertility cases and fertility specifically, but I see this with manifestation all the time. Like the second they accept the fear and like, well, it might just not be in the cards for us it always comes in then. It's like so amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's happened with a lot of things in our life. It's like if we, like we, I think it's want too, right? Like I think want, it puts you in a case of not having and like scarcity essentially. I think those things go like hand in hand. So if you're like, I want, 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 then the universe is like, okay, you don't have. So you're going to continue to not have. So it's like almost again, indifference and then also like feeling like you already have it in some cases, like just being very content and happy and like grateful for where you are. And then these things like start to show up. So it's like also doing the work, but getting your mind in like the right frequency. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I love the idea of feeling like you already have it because A, that means that your self-worth is up at that level. Like I deserve a baby. Like why, you know, like I am worthy of this. I deserve this. And also why do I want it? Because it would, you know, help me feel more connected, more fulfilled. It would bring more joy into my life. And then you start to like notice I have so much joy in my life. I am fulfilled. I am connected. I do already have a baby. Like I might not have like a little physical one, but like I have what that thing is that I'm calling in and that helps you trust the process more, but it helps with that law of attraction thing, like vibrate at it until it does come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So I wanted to talk about like death and dying and I feel like you can't talk about that without talking about birth because like I feel like they're two different sides of like the same coin. So when it first comes to birth, like where is that like consciousness like coming from? And is that like kind of essentially like where you return until like you learn all of your lessons and like be all of like your karmic goals and then like essentially return to source if that's what you believe? Yeah. So there's a lot of different philosophies on this. I Mm -hmm. think most kind of agree. So when you die, there's a process, uh, like in Tibetan Buddhism, they call them bardos. Like, like you're here for 40 days and then there for like 80 days and then here for 120 and then you're in the afterlife. And then you're like with source and 
all of this magical stuff happens and then you decide on your reincarnation and then again the process of well who are the parents let's create some spiritual contracts like and there's like a few different phases and then you're in you know the belly and then you you know you go through the birth canal and so there tends to be i think mo like there is an overlap uh, in the philosophy that there's like different little subsections to death mm-hmm. and subsections to birth and in the process but generally speaking yeah, I do think that you go back to source in between lives. And I do think that in that moment, you're everything and nothing. Like you're everywhere and nowhere. And so it's kind of like how they depict it on TV with like the, you know, you see your life flashing before your eyes, but it's not just when you're with source, it's not just that lifetime. It's kind of like a fanning out of like all your lives and kind of like, okay, so what do I still need to work on? Why am I incarnating? Like, you know, mm-hmm. what are my contracts with self? Like, how do I, like this life journey, like earth school is an invitation for, you know, self-actualization and for becoming your highest self and brightest self. And so it's kind of like, where, what parts of me have I not actualized? Like what, what part of like my, my life mission have I not actualized? That's what I'm going to do next lifetime. Okay. So if that's what I'm going to do next lifetime, who do I need to meet up with in order to make that happen? Which one of my soul contracts is going to help me be my best self? Like, who am I going to pick as parents? Who am I going to, you know, um, align with to like help bring this mission to life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's usually like a few different phases of like leaving the past, being in the unknown, entering the new. So do you, is there ever like the final reincarnation? Is that like a belief? Like, like it's your final time to be, have the human experience and then you just kind of go back to like pure consciousness and that's like where you reside essentially? think that's what would be referred to as nirvana, you know, Mm -hmm. is when you've left the samsara, the wheel of suffering, like you don't have to keep incarnating Mm -hmm. (laughs) to master lessons. You've mastered them all. Yeah. I, I believe in that. (laughs) I look life. I I love it. I'm good. If I never come back, like (laughs) I would love to just hang out and float around in the cosmos. Um, (laughs) But another, if you believe in spirit guides, another option, so not everyone can be a spirit guide, like it's like a high honor and like a recognition of your human evolution. So like, once you evolve to a certain level, you can choose to not incarnate and to instead as a way of enhancing your spiritual growth and continuing the lessons going, like you can choose to be somebody's spirit guide and again, teaching is mastery. So you're helping like your little humans out. And as you're helping them grow and evolve, you're growing and evolving until you reach Nirvana. So that's like a different path to not incarnating. But I I do think that you can reach a point where you stop coming back for sure. And then would you say that – so for people that believe in like like spirits or ghosts or intelligent like beings, if you would, would you say like some of those people like get stuck? Like maybe like they're not like accepting that transition? That's usually ghosts. Yeah. So ghosts – so there's a little difference between spirits and ghosts. So like spirits do fully transition. And so that's where they feel like pure light. They're like mm-hmm. really benevolent. Like I love it when spirits visit me. Like it's just so joyous. It's so mm-hmm. – and that's why I never want to come back. Because like, oh, <laughs> you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just so euphoric. Um, and then ghosts are usually people that are – they've died, but they're fighting the afterlife, like they're fighting that transition. And so they're still identifying as their human form. They're still Mm -hmm. identifying with their ego. They're like, look, it's the surrender again. It's like climaxing all over again. To like relinquish control and like surrender and fully transition. And so that's where ghosts are a little bit more palpable than spirits sometimes. And they can like haunt, like they don't have as much power and control as we do in human flesh. Like they're not scary, but usually they hang around because they feel unheard. They feel unseen. They feel undervalued. And so I've like done quite a few ghost clearings of people's homes and usually they just like have a message. And once they get the message through, they're open 
to transitioning and they feel a lot better once they transition, but they don't know that from like their state of consciousness, they feel like they're going to lose it all if they transition or they're like sacrificing a lot or something. And that's why they're like, so hell bent on like staying, (laughs) you know? Oh yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. I have like a quick ghost story if you want it. Yes, of course. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I had a client who got out of an abusive relationship first time. And she's a serial monogamous first time living on her own in this like little one bedroom. And she, and it wasn't like as glamorous as like the places that she's used to living with like these douchebags. And so she like moves into her like little one bedroom and it's like so humbling. Like I was like so proud of her for like leaving the abusive relationship, but her place is haunted. So she cannot sleep. Like every night there's like a creepy old lady that's like haunting her and she's like oh like I find like what is going on so we connect with the woman and the woman this is it is sad it's sad so the woman had died to domestic violence and so they were destined to know each other so the woman's message was like at this rate, you're going to get yourself killed. Like, please let that be the final one. And like, because the client serial monogamist and like, you know, like we all kind of come from backgrounds of trauma. So she had her own stuff that had her choosing people that really undervalued, like disrespected her. And so the woman is telling her this message as she's like dating three different guys that are kind of like repeating the same pattern. Mm. And so she was just like, I will not leave until you promise me that you're going to stop this pattern. You have to promise me that you're going to choose better partners. Like, and so the client makes the promise. She's like sobbing and she's like, I know, I know, I know. And so that's what the ghost wanted. Like, she just didn't want to die in vain. Like she just didn't want her death to be like unrecorded. And like, like she, she was like, I, I went through that. So if you hear me out, I will gladly leave. But if you don't hear me out, I'm going to haunt you. (laughs) (laughs) So cool. I mean, I've definitely had like experiences with like ghosts and like spirits. Very rarely. I just like don't have like the skill to really like hear them unless, I mean, there's been like maybe a couple occurrences that way, 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 way back in the past when I was like more maybe like in tuned with that. But I just had like a couple bad experiences. So I just essentially closed that door and like I need to practice that, you know, skill a little bit more before I open it up. But I think it's so fascinating when like you, meet someone who can like actually like communicate because it's like you must just like experience the world on like such a different level. And then when you see certain like issues that people think are so massive and the end of the world, you, you're you probably like up here and you're like, it's real, yeah, perspective wise. And you're just like, this isn't, this isn't where you should be focusing your time and energy. So it's got to be like a very different, a very unique ex- human experience for you that you're someone like of your level is having. Yeah. I mean, I love it again. Like I forced myself to believe this before I actually believed it Mm -hmm. because I couldn't make sense of the world otherwise. Mm -hmm. But now, I mean, I was super depressed and like really confused (laughs) by why life is what it is. Mm -hmm. And now it all makes like so much sense and I'm so happy. And yeah, it's a lot more fun with this filter. And yeah, it's like a, adding a different dimension to life. Like you, to, see things that most people don't. Yeah. It's fun. On like an ending note, like what would you say is like a good stepping stone for some people to kind of like have that lens shift? So to like go from a place where all you are seeing is the negative, like the negativity and like all of the wrong and um, the constant like identifying as a victim, right? Instead of maybe like again, like taking lessons out. So what's like a good stepping stone from someone who's in that negative loop to like start to see things in like a better, more appreciative way? Great question. Gratitude journal, like seven minutes will retrain your brain. It actually has the potential to change your biochemistry. And I'm all about herbs, supplements. One needed, even Western medication can be like a spiritual act, especially if you're, you know, you've got a chemical imbalance, but totally like you, if you just write every, like actually write it down, don't type it out, but write it down for that neurofeedback and the neuroplasticity. But like, if you're keeping a gratitude journal of seven minutes, 
minimum seven minutes a day for like 21 plus days, you will start to like see things differently. You will start to feel differently. You will start to like notice all the blessings in life instead of like noticing all the concerns in life, you know, mm-hmm. um, it shifts things for sure. It's so beautiful. No, I love that. And that's like a very easy thing that anyone can do. Like anyone can do it. Yeah, just write it all out. And like, even if you're just writing the same thing, even if you really feel like you have nothing to be grateful for, like, then write, like, I've got my dog, so I could write about him for seven minutes. So like, maybe I'm not like, I love my dog, I love my mom, I love my bed, I love the clouds, like, you know, I'm grateful for this, this and that. Like, even if it's just one thing, then like, draw it out, like, get the endorphins going. Mm -hmm. And just start practicing. Yeah. I love that. Yay. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I loved our conversation. Um, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find more of you? Yeah, absolutely. Nurvana, my last name is Noor and UUR. And so Nurvana and UURVANA.com or my Instagram handle is Nurvana. And I have a little online course where you can hone your intuition through it. And it's really fun. It's like the best it's like gifting yourself yourself. It's like the best. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. And I can personally attest to to your readings. They're fabulous. So if you guys are curious, definitely go check out her website. Yay. All right. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have the time, please rate and review, and you can always hit subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes. I hope to have you back.